Okay, good morning, everybody. Hopefully, we're, um, we're all okay and you can hear me. I uh, had a few little small technical issues just getting us started there. Um, but uh, let's just, let's just um, start by just giving the, this meeting to God. Father God, we thank you that you are an amazing God, and we come here to just this morning to just give you praise and worship and the honor that's due your name. You are high above the heavens, and we thank you, and we just want to give you praise this morning. So, Lord, we just pray for this service. We, we thank you for the technology that allows us to meet, even in our own homes, um, and to broadcast this service. And so we thank you and praise you, Jesus. Amen. So welcome, everyone. Um, I'm just going to hand over to Martin to give a quick notice. Yes, uh, morning, everyone. Um, just, just a couple of things. Um, just a reminder that it is uh, communion this morning, so uh, make sure um, before communion comes that you've got some bread and juice. Uh, ready to go. Also, um, Edith Eastman's um, Thanksgiving service um, will be here on Wednesday the 25th of uh, November um, at two o'clock in the afternoon. It is, as Grace's was, going to be um, invitation only. Um, so if you want to take part, please contact um, Evelyn uh, in the office who will let you have a, a Zoom link to watch um, the service online on the 25th of November at two o'clock. Um, just to say that there, for church members, there is a meeting uh, this Tuesday. The Zoom link will be sent out uh, tomorrow. Um, that's for um, people who, who are engaging with the meeting on, on a tablet or a, an iPhone or, or a laptop or on computer. But also you can, uh, you can phone in too. Um, so... Uh, we will send out the, the, the phone link and the uh, computer link by Zip for Zoom uh, tomorrow. Um, it's also a speci special Sunday and a sad Sunday in some ways because it, this is uh, Quentin's uh, last Sunday with us before he heads off to South Africa. So uh, we'll be hearing a little bit more from Quentin later, but uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up on that uh, later. Over to Steve. Thank you, Martin. And so let's just come and worship our God. You're the word of God, the Father.
Just worship our God together. You're so wonderful and true. I stand in awe. I stand in awe. I stand in awe. I stand in awe. I stand in awe of you. I stand in awe. Again. 
In times of trouble, in times that are hard, Lord, with this global pandemic going on, with lockdown happening, Lord, we thank you that you are our rock, our redeemer. And Lord, we just want to come and praise and thank you for who you are this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to hand over to Martin now to, to do a, a little Q&A with somebody who's going far away from us. Yes, uh, we got Quentin here. Hi, everybody. Hi, Martin. Hi, Hi Quentin. Church. I can't hear. Can, they can't hear me. Can you hear me? Hello. We can hear you, Quentin. I don't think Martin can. Oh, right. Thanks. Thanks so much. I was just checking if it was a problem right in. I don't need to unmute or anything, do I? They can hear me apparently. Got it? Well, I can hear you, Martin. What do we need to do? If the worst comes, the worst. I can tell the church what's going on. Okay, well, what we can do is put him through speaker, the, the um, speaker. Can't I? Shall I go next door? Yeah. Can I do it next door? Or you can stand next door. Yeah, okay. okay. Can you hear me, guys, still? Mark, can you hear me? You can be my test. We can hear you, yeah, Quentin. Yeah, we can hear you, Quentin. Excuse the background, it's rain on the roof, so it's... <clears throat> you're, what you're planning to do and when and how and all the rest ah, of right. Okay. Um, thanks, Martin, for the opportunity. Um, bottom line being, guys, is that I retired on Friday um, after many, many years of work, way too many years of work, to be fair. And... Um, I've decided to sort of vary my lifestyle and spend some time in South Africa and some time here in the UK with more time spent in the UK than South Africa, because this is my home. And 
I'm anticipating to stay, spend about five months um, with, with Andrew well, in South Africa, with Andrew for part of those five months, and also living south of Durban, where I used to live, and I've got some friends. So kind of doing a bit of a, a sort of a hop between the two continents, because obviously with Jacqueline being here um, and her family, and Andrew being in South Africa and his family, that's the plan. Um, Andrew's got little Joni as the grandchild. And as some of you know, he and Heidi are expecting a second and that baby's arriving just before Christmas. So there'll be two grandchildren in South Africa and two grandchildren here. So it makes pretty much good sense for me to try and acquaint with the grandchildren, the wide and the family if I can. So I'm hoping to do that. Um, and it's, yeah, so that's really what I'm thinking of doing. Um, just some other detail. I leave on Tuesday next week on the 17th um, and I come back in May. Um, and yeah, and it's obviously summer in South Africa, which is brilliant. Um, COVID rates are quite low in South Africa. Um, here in the UK, it's far worse. So in fact, in some ways, I'm going to a healthier country from COVID wise, but from a safety wise, not as safe, of course, from, you know, um, dangers, I suppose. Um, yeah, so those are my plans, Martin and Church. Thank you, Quentin. We're, we're all gonna, we're all gonna miss you hugely, not least your hospitality. <laughs> and, <laughs> I think yeah. most people know that. Your sense of humor too. But you will be, so it's, you will be coming back to us. That's the main thing at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back on the 4th of May. And I'll still maintain and be, be the independent examiner of the church book. So maintaining a very small ministry um, with the church. And we can do it remotely, as we've learned this year, Alison and I. And then come back when I do. And I can do the quick sort of look of vouching. That. But the church is going to be, Heather Vale's my church. And I'll strive to dial in and log in on the weekends and on Sundays and, and hear the service. But the two hour difference could be a bit of a issue, but I'll see what I can do. But yes, Heather Vale is my church. Um, Heather Vale are my friends. Uh, that's it. So uh, the church that I go to there will be um, just a visiting church, to be honest. Well, that's great to hear. We'll very much hold you in our prayers and we look forward to uh, to having you back uh, next year Quentin uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah and uh, Quentin could you tell us how, how can we pray for you as you, uh, you when, when do you travel I travel on Tuesday so right. obviously uh, I ask for traveling mercies not just the Tuesday yeah. but when I'm in South Africa there's a lot of travel because I'll be moving um, between Andrew and the place south of Durban which is about uh, 600, about 500 miles um, distance and in between and all that. So it's a big country. So there will be lots of travel. So I pray for safety and travel. Um, I also pray for, if you would also pray for the fact that I'm hosting an Airbnb, my home, I'm hosting my home as an Airbnb. Um, it's been booked for December, for Christmas already. And that, that will go down well. Pray for health. Um, and also pray for sensitivity, for God's direction in terms of my plans. You know, it's very, this is very volatile in terms of, or flexible in terms of plans. I don't quite know exactly what's going to happen. Um, if the Lord decides that maybe I am there for four months, 
five months and he thinks, no, I'm not, it's not working out. And I come back in two months, so be it. You know, it's very much a, a test the water to see how this actually works for me, um, how it works for the family, how it works for church there, um, etc. So there's a lot of flexibility. Nothing's assured at this moment. And so to pray for God's direction. And then also just to pray for Jan, because she's remaining here in the UK. She's working, as you know. Uh, looks looks after Dorothy, part of the part of our flock, um, a, a lot, and that she'll be all right. So there's the prayer item. So it's the Airbnb, COVID safety, logistics all around, my personal health, and Jan, and ultimately sensitivity by me of God's direction um, to change plans and not be fixed in any way. Well, let's, um, let me pray for you now, uh, Quentin, and uh, let's just commit you to the Lord's faith-keeping and blessing. Father, we, we thank you so much for uh, our brother, Quentin. We thank you that for all that he means to us. Thank you, Lord, for his warmth, his hospitality, his friendliness, the joy that he brings, uh, not just to his family, but also to us here at the church. And Lord, we will, we will miss him. But, Lord, we look forward to, uh, to seeing him again next year. But for the moment, Lord, we want to pray uh, safe travel on him, that your blessing would uh, rest upon him as he travels. Pray for, pray for safety. Lord, keep him free from any sickness, viruses. And, Lord, just look after him. And, uh, Lord, I, I just pray that he would settle in quickly there, um, that he would, he would really bless his time with Andrew and the family. And Lord, that you would continue to guide him and, and lead him each step of the way, that um, he would know, he would have that sensitivity through your spirit, Lord, of what you're saying to him, of, of uh, what you want him to do there and how you want him to uh, engage with churches there and to find a Christian community that he can find support with. And Lord, we, we, we just pray for, for the home that he leaves behind. Uh, thank you that he's been able to... Uh, to put it on Airbnb, Lord, we pray blessing and protection on that, that that would go well. And Lord, we thank you for Jan, and we thank you for all that she does in serving you. And uh, Lord, just be with Jan, comfort her, strengthen her. Thank you for the work that she does in caring for, for Dorothy. Lord, just bless Jan, we pray, and bless Jacqueline and Nick and, and the family here, Lord, as they will miss uh, their, their dad too, and their granddad. So Lord, just, just pour out um, a blessing um, on, on this family and particularly on Quentin Lord we, we send him with your blessing Father and favour in Jesus name Amen, Amen. Thanks Quentin Thanks, Thank you So just before we uh, we take communion uh, let's just sing a song uh, Jesus Christ I think upon your sacrifice if you haven't got your communion bits ready this is the time to kind of Go and get them. Make sure you've got some juice and uh, some bread ready. Um, but let's just uh, worship our God together as we sing. Jesus Christ. I think upon your sacrifice, you became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I 
say that uh, after we've shared um, bread and wine together unmute yourselves and uh, there will be an opportunity for you to pray um, as the spirit leads I'm reading from Matthew chapter 26 When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. 
it would be better if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Let's give thanks for this bread together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this bread, a symbol of your body, your body sacrificed to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you were prepared to be wounded and pierced for our transgressions, that we might be made whole. And so we take and eat this bread, feeding by faith on you, Jesus. And we ask that, Jesus, you would feed us now with the bread of heaven, now and evermore, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So we take and eat this bread. Then Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's give thanks for the wine. Jesus, we thank you for this juice, which symbolizes your blood, your blood shed for the forgiveness of sin and to establish a new covenant relationship. Thank you that through your Holy Spirit, we are born again into a new covenant relationship with the Father and that the Holy Spirit writes God's laws onto our hearts. Thank you that we now enjoy, as children of God, an adopted relationship as God's children, where we can know him as our Father and he knows us. Thank you that we are your sheep, Jesus, and that you are the Good Shepherd. And thank you that we know your voice, we recognise your voice, and that you lead us and speak to us and guide us. And so we drink this wine with thanksgiving for the forgiveness and cleansing that Christ's blood offers us. Lord Jesus, today we give you thanks for the lives of, of faithful saints of Jesus. We thank you for Grace and we thank you for Edith and all that they have meant to us and continue to mean to us. And we pray, 
Lord, for their families, that you would comfort them in their grief, that you would fill them with your peace, and that, Lord, you would be with Mark and Nigel and the family of Edith as they prepare for the funeral on the 25th. Lord, be with them and help them, and continue to comfort Grace, Grace's family, Bill and Jenny and the wider family at this time, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we lift before you our sister Janet Mills. Lord, we pray for her. We pray for a peace that passes understanding as she's in hospital at this moment in time. We pray for the doctors, for the nurses, that uh, they will find what's causing all these issues, what's causing her legs to swell, and that they will form the right treatment in order to bring her back to normal. But Lord, you are our creator God. You know us intimately. And therefore we would ask that you will send your spirit upon Janet, that Holy Spirit, that you will reach out and touch those areas of her body that need a touch of your hand and to restore them and to make her healthy and to bring her back to us as soon as possible. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Jesus said, do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. A good man brings good things out of his good that the store is in his heart. And an evil man speaks from the evil in his heart. For the mouth speaks what his heart is full of. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Come here, Leslie. Unmute. Unmute, Leslie. Unmute, Leslie. No, she's muted. She's un. She's muted again. Yeah, I know. Unmute, Leslie. That's it. I just wanted to pray again for Edith and to thank you really for the inspiration that she was to so many people. But particularly, I wanted to pray for Mark and for Nigel. It was Edith's dearest wish, greatest wish that they come to faith. And Lord, as they read the words of hymns and as they read... The, the Bible as they choose readings for her services. Father, I just pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would, you would just draw them to you, just speak to them through your word and help um, them and other members of the family as they are at her service and they, they witness things about her life and, and they think of you, Lord. I just pray that they would come to know you in a real way. As we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
Father, I just want to lift you this moment to you, please, Lord. Uh, would you equip the doctors to find out what exactly is wrong and uh, to treat her accordingly? We pray for your healing hand upon her. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, I pray for all those who are um, feeling weak, frail at this time, those who are suffering mentally, those who are suffering physically. Father, I pray for all who are uh, struggling in one way or another. And the Lord says in Isaiah, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you that as we come around your table and remember Jesus, your sacrifice, thank you for your presence with us now. Thank you that we can sense your presence and your peace with us. Thank you for the silence. Thank you for all the prayers that have been prayed. Father, we ask now that by your spirit, you would fill us afresh with peace and joy and a greater understanding of the height, width, length, and depth of the love of God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, just before Martin comes to speak to us, we're going to be reading this morning from uh, the Bible, from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. 
but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Let's just pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life to us. And Lord, as we listen to you, as we listen to your word being preached this morning, may it just impact our lives in a daily basis, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Excellent. Just checking. Thank you, Steve, uh, for leading us. Um, I've gone off piece a bit with regards to the, the, the books that you're using in small groups. I, I felt um, I wanted to focus on prophecy uh, this morning, if, if I may, and um, sort of distinguishing true prophecy from false prophecy. Uh, Wayne Grudem, um, in his book, Systematic Theology, defines the spiritual gift of prophecy in this way. He says, prophecy is telling something that God has brought spontaneously to mind. This could be in the form of words or a picture or even a song or a hymn or even a scripture. Um, we had a couple of scriptures um, shared this morning one of them in the open prayer time which from Isaiah, which I thought was uh, particularly pertinent uh, for people. So that's an example of how God can bring a scripture to mind that has a, that has a, a function within the church to strengthen uh, the body. Now, prophecy is different from teaching. Teaching is a conscious reflection on a Bible text, which, is invo which involves interpreting the text and then applying it to life. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm teaching. But if a message is the report of something God brings suddenly to mind, then it's prophecy. Now, prophecy, of course, can function in the context of teaching. If God brings something spontaneously to mind to the teacher, a picture or a scripture or, or a particular illustration, then that can function prophetically within a teaching message, too. Now, prophecy, according to the Bible, has less authority than teaching. And prophecies in the church are always to be tested against, weighed against the authoritative teaching of Scripture. So Timothy was told by Paul not to prophesy Paul's instructions to the church, but to teach them. So prophecies need to be weighed and tested against Scripture. Paul says that the purpose of prophecy in the church is this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3. Um, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So the power of prophecy is that it strengthens, encourages, and comforts the church. Another great advantage of the gift of prophecy is that it provides an opportunity for people to participate in worship. So a number of people may be given pictures or scriptures or songs or hymns, and it allows participation, which is really great. And Paul says that he wants all the, Christ the Corinthians to prophesy. Doesn't mean that all of them will, but he wants them. He desires that they would prophesy. Verse 5 says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. And that's because tongues need interpretation, whereas prophecy is, can be more easily um, uh, 
interpreted. It's, it's in the form of words or a picture that anyone can understand. Um, now in prayer meetings and in open times of prayer, um, probably in more normal times than we're in at the moment, we do encourage the gift of prophecy. Um, because it's something that Paul says that we should desire, and it's good for the strengthening and upbuilding and encouragement of the church. Um, and people do share pictures that God springs, brings spontaneously to mind. Um, we've had that a number of times in prayer meetings. Sometimes prophecy comes in the form of a scripture that someone shares in the context of worship that has a particular poignancy for that moment and just speaks to the heart of someone. Um, in your own devotion times, when you pray and read the Bible in, in your own daily lives, you'll know how prophecy can sometimes work for you. You'll be praying and God will bring somebody to mind and give you a strong impression that you need to pray for them in a certain way or that there's a particular scripture or picture that comes to mind for that person. Anybody ever had that experience? Give me a nod. Thank you. That's good. Well, one of the best things you can do is if you sense God has given you a scripture or, a, or, or something, a revelation for somebody, is why don't you text them, um, contact them, ring them, whatever works for you, and just say, look, I was praying this morning. Um, be humble about it. You may not have got it right, but, it, but just say, look, I was praying for you this morning and God brought this to mind. It, it could be a song. It could be a hymn. It could be a scripture. It could be a picture. And just leave it with God. Just let God do his thing. Sometimes we get it wrong, but more often than not, I've found that often you will provide some encouragement uh, for people. So be open to prophecy when you're praying for, for, for people um, in church or in your own time. And be ready to share with people, encouragement through um, messages that God gives to you. Um, Paul says that we should eagerly desire the gift of prophecy, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 14. Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And it's easy to see why. Um, you know, Paul wants us to encourage one another. And, you know, some of the best encouragement comes when we discern a message of God for somebody else or for the church because it builds people up it encourages them they feel God speak to them through the word that you share with them I've personally benefited many times from people who have prayed over me with prophetically inspired words and pictures sometimes they've been pictures sometimes they've been um, impressions sometimes they've been scriptures even songs but all of this has guided me, encouraged me, strengthened me as a Christian and in my ministry. There's a downside to all this. The more we encourage participation and the gift of, the, of prophecy, there is, a, there is a danger, of course, that there can be false prophecy. However, let that never put us off desiring the gift of prophecy and using the, the gift of prophecy in our church life. Just because there are dangers and things to watch out for and tests and discernment needed doesn't mean that we should suppress or squash the prophetic gift. We should encourage it. Um, sometimes people share prophecies that are not prompted by the Holy Spirit, but rather prompted by the spirit of the Antichrist. 1 John 4 verse 3 says this. But 
But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. When John says the spirit of the Antichrist, it's he's saying exactly what it says with a small a. He means any spirit that is opposed to Christ. In other words, any spirit that is opposed to the work of the spirit, the Holy Spirit and to Jesus is a spirit of the Antichrist. And they will have a demonic source. Um, Myself and Sarah have been on the receiving end of false prophecy. We were at a, a conference and a lady came over to, to Sarah and shared what was a very, um, I'm not going to share what she shared because it's, it's a bit weird and a bit upsetting, quite frankly, but it left us both really uneasy. Um, more about the woman who gave the prophecy, actually, than the message we, we just had an uneasy sense that this wasn't for us. And actually, it, it wasn't at all positive. It was very condemning, very negative, and it left us really uneasy. So, um, the fortunate thing about all this was that she told me which church she was from. So I contacted the pastor when we got back, and I said, look, we had this lady who, prophe- who gave my wife a prophecy, and he said, okay, I know her well, and... Uh, when I told him what the prophecy was, he said, that's probably more about her own struggles and disappointments in life than it's got anything to do with either of you two. So the spirit behind it was false. It made us feel uneasy and it was more about her and her own struggles in life than it was anything to do with us. So all I would say is this, not everybody who claims to be inspired is speaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. If the person leaves you feeling uneasy and deeply disturbed, more likely than not, it's likely not to be a true prophecy. It's likely to be false. So we need to test and discern uh, spirit-inspired words. And John helps us to do that in this uh, passage. Um, The context John was writing into were churches where the spiritual gift of prophecy was prevalent. Um, The present tense of the command in verse one, which says, do not believe every spirit, suggests that John's readers were tending to uncritically accept every word, every picture that was shared in church and in prayer meetings. They were tending to just let it happen without any discernment. They weren't testing anything. Um, And John says, this is wrong because there are false prophecies in the churches inspired by false teaching. Do you remember there were false teachers in the churches and they caused splits and divisions in the church and they were teaching false things about Jesus Christ. And this false teaching, this heresy, was inspiring false prophets. Verse 1b. But test the spirits um, to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Um, These false prophets are inspired by the spirit of the Antichrist. Um, They're they're inspired by demonic spirits, not the Holy Spirit. So John gives us a couple of tests to help us discern whether prophecy is true or false. First of all, what does the prophet say about Jesus? Um, We need to discern if the person giving the prophetic uh, message is spiritually sound in what they believe about Jesus. Um, Because false teachers were speaking about Jesus in heretical ways. 
Um, and these heresies about Jesus were generating false prophecies. Verses two and three. Every um, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And it goes on. Sorry, if we go back one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. So thanks. Thanks, Susie. So just to remind ourselves of this heretical teaching, um, the false teachers believe that the human body, the material body was inherently evil. And so they said there's no way that the divine Jesus would be connected with the human Jesus for all of his birth, life, death and resurrection. So they said that the divine Jesus only joined with the human Jesus at his baptism. And then they, they taught that the divine Jesus left the human Jesus at before his crucifixion and resurrection because they believed that the body was evil. They said that the divine Jesus only joined with the human Jesus temporarily. Um, so they detached the divine Jesus from the human Jesus. Um, and they focused on reaching a higher level of spiritual enlightenment independently of the human body. So you can see where this is going to land. It means that kind of obedience in the body and sin no longer matter too much because it's all about reaching a kind of uh, uh, rational and emotional and higher level of enlightenment in the soul. What you do in the body, whether you sin or not in the body is irrelevant. It's all about kind of a soul thing reaching enlightenment in the spiritual realms. But this, of course, is complete heresy because Jesus took on flesh um, he was fully God and fully human through his birth, death, life, resurrection, ascension, and in his coming again. And um, if you ignore the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully human through his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and coming again, you've missed out a whole chunk of the gospel. And you, it makes Jesus' life and ministry irrelevant you empty Jesus as God in the flesh of his divine authority and the gospel becomes irrelevant because you can reach spiritual enlightenment independently of Jesus. He no longer is the, the means of our salvation. It no longer matters whether we sin because the body is inherently evil and we can reach God through our soul and mind and spirit. We don't need Jesus, in other words. Now, we might think there's no one in Christian circles today who would hold to this heretical teaching. But actually, scarily, that isn't the case. In, in the United States, and we won't be too much different, um, there are heretical views um, expressed in Christianity Today magazine, who did a poll of this, and they interviewed thousands of um, evangelical American Christians and while they would say they believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the majority of evangelical Christians in America scarily believe that Jesus was the first created being. In other words, he wasn't always eternally the Son of God, and he, didn't, um, he wasn't born to a virgin as already the eternal Son of God. They believe that um, he was a created being just as we are created beings, 
that Jesus had no pre-existence in eternity as the son of God, which is quite scary when you think about it, because um, Arius um, was uh, first propagated this heresy back uh, in the early days of the church, and he was condemned at the Council of Nicaea for this heresy in 325 AD. And um, 78% of American evangelicals think that Jesus was and is a created being. In other words, that he's not fully God as well as fully human, which empties Jesus of, uh, of his authority as the son of God. And there's a general lack of teaching today on the person of Christ, a doctrine for which the early church fought so hard. Now, the problems this sort of heresy creates are obvious. If Jesus is just another created person, albeit the first person, if he isn't fully God and fully human, why should we take his words in the Bible as authoritative? Why should we submit to his authority and rulership over our lives as the son of God? Why should we feel that we need to come to God through Jesus if he's not the son of God and the means of our salvation? If his cross and resurrection and ascension and coming again are not our means of salvation, we can reach spiritual enlightenment with God without him. And many, including Russell Brand, would claim that salvation is found within, that whoever your God is, you can find him and pray to him and relate to him through your own personal spirit. You don't need a savior like Jesus. But the truth is Jesus said of himself in John 14, verses six to seven, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my father as well. Because Jesus is the son of God, the eternal divine son of God, who joined um, humanity to himself when he was born to a virgin Mary, because he is fully God and fully human, he is the only way that we as human beings can come to God. He is the bridge in our humanity and in his humanity between us and God. Without his salvation for our sin on the cross, there is no way that we can come to God who is perfect and holy. So Jesus is the only way to the Father. We can't know God the Father without knowing Jesus the Son. So the warning is there for us. If we're going to encourage prophecy today in our churches, we need to do so against a backdrop of sound teaching about the person and work of Jesus Christ. You see, if prophecy becomes disconnected from Jesus as fully God and fully human, then we go badly wrong. If prophecy gets disconnected from the gospel, we lose the central um, plank of our faith. And prophecy can then be anything that we feel like, literally anything outside of Jesus, any experiences we feel we've had spiritually and of God, we can share independently of Jesus. We lose the foundation, the bedrock, the cornerstone, the plumb line of Jesus. We lose the gospel and we actually lose God and we lose Holy Spirit inspired prophecy. Um, early on in my ministry here, I'm going to keep people anonymous but there was a lady who's no longer with us who once said to me, I don't need my prophecies weighed by anyone in the church because I hear directly from God. Alarm bells should be ringing big time. 
because that shows a lack of humility. It shows a lack of um, submitting to authority of the church leadership, and it shows a lack of submitting your divinely inspired messages to the message of Jesus and the gospel. Anybody who goes around saying, I don't need my prophetic words tested because I hear directly from God is probably a false prophet and needs to be silenced. So beware. Be cautious. Second test John uses is who listens to these prophets. Um, verse five. Um, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Um, the me their message of false prophets goes down well with the world. The world listens to it, listens to them because they promote the values. Um, you know, one, one thinks of people like Joel Osteen, who speaks about, you know, for having your best life now. Now, that kind of message, you know, Jesus did say, I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. But he didn't just mean in this life, he meant for eternity. And he told us to store up our treasure in heaven, etc. And Jesus told us to carry our cross. In other words, the, the um, Christian life is not all about having your best life now. It's about an eternal inheritance. And it's about taking up our cross and following Jesus. But Joel Osteen and others like him appeal to worldly values because the world is all about the here and now. So we need to test and discern the spirit behind the, the so-called teacher and prophet. Um, but a person with a gift of prophecy who uses this gift regularly will be submissive when it, when it comes to being under the authority of both the church leaders and the teaching of scripture. Um, the church leaders together with the wider church have the responsibility to test prophecy and we can be confident in that, actually. We're not to be afraid of that and think, well, how would we know? Well, you know because you know Jesus. Um, John said this in John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Sorry, we need, yeah, that's it. His sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Do you see what's happening there? True followers of Jesus will recognize the shepherd, Jesus the shepherd's voice. It will resonate with them and their spirit. When you hear a false prophecy, it leaves you uneasy and you think, mm, it doesn't feel quite right. When a prophecy, an inspired word is from God, the sheep, that's the church, recognize the voice of Jesus. And we know that this is his voice. Even when it's a, a tough word, we, we accept it because it's from Jesus, the good shepherd. Um, when it's not from Jesus, we want to run a mile from it because it leaves us disturbed and uncomfortable. And we just go, nah, doesn't feel right. And, you know, in prayer meetings and in church, you know, we, we do ask, if, if somebody shares something in church, we do ask them to run it past me or, a, or an elder first, because it's important that we test and weigh and discern. We can't just allow things to be shared without discerning them. That's not biblical. But in a prayer meeting, in a smaller group context, you know, it's much easier to sort of weigh things as they're, as they're shared. And sometimes we have to say, mm, not sure about that. But most of the time in this church, I've found that 99% of the time, 
when people share a word or a picture or a scripture or an impression, you, there's just a resonance in the prayer meeting. People go, yeah, that feels like it's from God because the sheep recognize the shepherd. So John reassures us, don't fear false prophets. Don't fear the spirit of the Antichrist. Verse 4, 1 John 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. In other words, the Holy Spirit in you is more powerful and greater than the spirit of the Antichrist at work in the false prophets. So as Christians, we don't need to fear false prophecy. We need to silence it. If, if somebody's a false prophet and is speaking without authority and submission to the church leaders and to scripture, we have to silence them. And I've had to do that before. But in the main, most of our church members are mature Christians, sound in their theology, walking in submission to Jesus. And, you know, when God gives someone an impression or a revelation, we can trust it nine times out of ten because God is working through that person. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus, that your spirit in us is more powerful than the spirit of the Antichrist. And Lord, I thank you for our churches. And I thank you, Lord, that you can speak to any of us and that we can recognize your voice because we are your sheep and you are the good shepherd. So, Father, help us to be bold in sharing scriptures and hymns and songs and uh, impressions and words with one another. Lord, and, and this week, I pray for each one of us that as we're praying at home or as we're in prayer meetings, Lord, I pray that we would be open to the voice of your spirit and give us a generous spirit and a spirit of courage and boldness to be able to share those things that you give to us for the building up and strengthening of the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Martin. So let's conclude our service by singing our Father everlasting, the creed. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the three in one.
Father God, we thank you that we have truth in our life, the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, Father God, we just pray right now that as we go out into this week, that you would just bless us. Lord, help us to shine Jesus wherever we go. And so, Father, thank you. And we bless you. Just to say, if anyone wants prayer after the service, then please can you contact Nigel. Uh, his number's just up there, 0770-704-987. And uh, you'll be put into a prayer room with uh, one of the prayer team. Father God, thank you. Amen. Amen.